Thank you, worship team, and thank you, church. You can go ahead and have a seat. How awesome is this? Okay, so that was pretty weak, wasn't it? Okay, so I'm not used to I'm not used to yelling in a field and not getting a good response. Okay, I actually feel like we should play some sort of game or something um, out here. But uh, church, this is church. Are you are you excited to be here today? Hallelujah, for sure. It is so good to see your face. I want to say welcome. My name is Tyler. I'm the Youth and Families Pastor here. For those who have tuned in online, I also want to welcome you. And church, I've got to say, it is way better speaking to your face than talking to a camera. Can I get an amen for that? I am so tired. Listen, I'm more tired to talking to a camera than you are seeing my face talking to a camera. I'll tell you that. Um, but again, thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us for abiding by regulations. A couple reminders is that the, the restroom is right around here. The door's propped. If you need to use that, uh, you're invited to do that. We also have the ability to give in a silver bucket on the table over there, just in case you said, you know, it's Sunday and, uh, and we brought our tithes and our offerings and you want a place to give, you are welcome to drop that off on the way out. You put it in, you don't take it out. Uh, I'm watching you. I'm watching you. All right. That was, that was for a few of you, you know. You know who you are. Uh, I'm just kidding, but I'm not kidding. Uh, but that is there. But thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving uh, both to the, uh, the food pantries in our communities and to our church with your tithes and your offerings. We have been so blessed to see uh, your giving and to, and to glorify God through that has been unbelievable. So thank you, church. And, and then I want to remind our students that there is Zooth Group tonight at 7 o'clock, our last one of the semester. Thank you for the one person who has enjoyed Zooth Group, um, 7 o'clock, we will meet on Zoom tonight uh, for that. And other than that, church, we just want again to say thank you for, for, for your engagement and involvement in all that we've done over the past few months. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, it has been a, a joy, and I'm grateful to be a part of a church that understands its mission understands that what we do isn't confined by the four walls of the church. Right, we are a church that can go outside the walls of the church. We can serve our communities. We can study God's word together. And we can do it in a way that honors God in all that we do. Church, you have been a blessing and an inspiration to us. And we want to say a huge thank you for that. Uh, I'm going to pray for us. And then I'm going to pass it over to Pastor Matt this morning. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the beautiful weather. Thank you for the opportunity to come together, to worship you, to lift you high, to make it all about you, God. May it be all about you and not about us this morning. We are thankful for the opportunity to get together, to see each other's faces. We pray for the health of those around us. We pray for your continued provision for individuals and families here, also for our church. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to continue to do in and through the people that are here today. We love you, Father. We lift you high today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Tyler. Wow. Guys, 
It's been 14 weeks. Um, when I miss one week, I get so amped up that I preach like 10 minutes over. So I hope you brought a lunch because we might be here till dinner time. I don't know. Uh, I am so pumped up and excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, what a what an incredible blessing to be with God's people. We have had a crazy, crazy uh, couple months. For these hundred days, we finally climbed out of our bunkers and we're re-engaging with the world. And thank God for that. There are some important things that we picked up along the way. And I don't know if you've been paying attention or not, but I, I jotted down a list of a few things that I learned during quarantine. Uh, one is that I learned that toilet paper is a precious commodity. That that if you don't want to invest in gold or silver or bonds, investing in Charmin would be a great idea um, because people are ridiculous, right? I learned that essential personnel, if we have to do this again, and they're, they're, they're suggesting it might happen, I don't know. If we have to go into lockdown again, somebody in the higher-ups needs to make sure that hairdressers and barbers are considered part of essential personnel, right? This, this whole quarantine hair... I don't want you all seeing how much gray I've got, okay? Like, I'm old enough. I don't need this. You don't need to see my roots. I need my barber and my hairdresser back in line, right? I, I learned. I learned that my kids have an incredible gift. They have the ability to log a full work week worth of video games. Like, that is, that is some stamina and endurance. Like, 45, 50, 60 hours of video gaming in one week. I mean, we should be proud of that accomplishment. I learned that the McClure family absolutely must have their own YouTube channel. We need more McClure in our life, right? I learned a slew of terms I hope I never have to use again. Things like social distancing and PPE and flatten the curve. I learned one of the sweetest compliments you can pay to somebody in public is, that's a beautiful mask. Did you make it yourself? And I learned that the goodness of God is enduring and with us even in the midst of great uncertainty. In case you haven't noticed, the world is on fire. Like everywhere you look, it's just upside down and backwards. And yet the people of God are gathered here and around the world, trying their best to be safe, united under the authority and leadership of Jesus, at peace with their maker and at peace with their fellow man. What a gift that God's grace endures with us. This morning, we're going to take a break from our um, normal study through Mark, and we're going to offer some reflections on the church through quarantine, some things that God has been impressing on my heart, stuff a little bit more serious than masks and haircuts and things like that. No offense to the hairdressers in the room. I apologize if I offended you. I mean, um, but before we do, I want to I offer or encourage you guys to pray for uh, Kathy Kelleher, part of our church family. She was on our staff for many years. She's been a faithful part here of our congregation for a long time. Uh, many of you may have seen the Facebook post, but if you haven't, uh, she was taken to the hospital Wednesday, and they found that she had a brain hemorrhage. And she, um, she went through surgery on Friday to fix that and to address that. She came through surgery just fine. But she has a pretty long recovery ahead of her. And so Tim, her husband, and her girls have asked for a prayer for Kathy. Uh, we are praising God that they found it when they did. 
and that she was spared and that God was good to provide great health care. But he was asking that we pray for her specifically. So before I start this morning, let's just unite our hearts and pray for Kathy together. Father, thank you that you are the great physician and that uh, we can rest in your promise that the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous avail much. And so, God, we lift up our sister Kathy to you. We praise you that you found this uh, hemorrhage before it turned deadly. We thank you for the intervention of good medical practice. We thank you for your guiding hands to get her through surgery. And we pray now for her recovery, that you would pour out your grace upon her and her family. Pray for her husband, Tim, that you'd strengthen her, uh, strengthen him. We pray for her girls and their husbands and their children, God, that you would strengthen that family and that in your mercy you would reveal yourself to them in deeper ways than they've ever known you before. And we ask for a quick and speedy recovery in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to offer a few reflections this morning on, on the church of Jesus and what God has spoken to us throughout this season. And the first thing that, that comes to mind as we ponder the last uh, thir- 14 weeks of, of watching church in our pajamas with our coffee and sitting around our houses and becoming experts with Zoom and Google Meet. Be, before all of that happened, and in the last 14 weeks, what has God been saying to us? And the, the thing that keeps coming to mind is the enduring faithfulness of God. That, I don't know if you remember, but the very first week we did a live stream, we talked about Joshua chapter 3. And we said that, that God had set his people up against the Jordan River. They're about to go into the promised land. But he said to them, you need to follow the, the Ark of the Covenant. When you see the presence of the Lord lifted up, follow close behind. And he says, because you've never passed this way before. And I don't think any of us knew that give us three weeks to flatten the curve would have turned into three months of isolation. But as, as we pondered what was coming... One thing we were certain of is that we had never passed this way before and we didn't know what it, would, what it would bring. And while we didn't cross the Red Sea physically, we did witness the faithfulness of God in so many ways in our church family over the last 14 weeks. One of the primary ways is, is health. We've had four people treated in our congregation for the COVID-19 virus, but thanks, thanks to God, no more than that. And we've got a lot of healthcare workers and frontline people in our congregation, and God has protected them, and we're rejoicing in that. Those, those who said the doomsday, worst-case scenarios, millions of people losing their lives, by the mercy of God, that didn't happen. And we're thankful for that. We're rejoicing in that, that God has been good to our church, to our community, to our nation in that way. We've, had, we've seen folks in our congregation survive heart attacks and other illnesses, come through cancer surgery and recovery. We've seen babies born in the, in the middle of a pandemic. God has been faithful in the areas of health in our congregation. We've seen God's faithfulness to our families as, as if you're like me, so many of us have just enjoyed the downtime and spending time together. We're so rushed and so hurried and busied by the things of this world that when all those things are stripped away, you're forced, you're forced to prioritize and just lean in to the people God has placed closest to you. And we've really enjoyed that. We've seen God's faithfulness to our church as we've been able to connect online, even though it wasn't the ideal situation, but we've been able to maintain a quality Bible teaching. Our kids' ministry has been able to maintain their teaching. Our students have stayed connected through Zoom and other means that way. God has allowed us 
God has allowed us to sustain those connections in ways that wouldn't have been available just 10 to 15 years ago. What a gift in the perfect wisdom and timing of God that the church was able to stay strong through a pandemic. We've seen his faithfulness. Tyler mentioned that in, in the area of financial giving, when, when we started down this road, we wondered what effect it would have on the finances of our church. And I'm pleased to announce that we are giving above budget for the first time in a long time. God's faithfulness is on display through your faithfulness to serve him. So thank you. And not only, not only is the giving above budget, but you're giving to the extra funds as well. And we've been able to minister to our church family, to those people who are losing jobs or having crises that arise that they didn't, they didn't plan for. By God's grace, he's provided in ways we never, ever could have imagined. And, and financial stability is a goal the elders set at the beginning of this year. And how crazy is it that God chose a pandemic to lead us to that end? We've seen how God provided for us through that 20 fund and the benevolence gifts. And we've seen our church family remain strong. When we first started down this road and realized the pandemic and, and the shutdown would have drastic effects on us, it, it brought some big challenges to our church family. And at this point, 14 weeks later, God in his great mercy has walked with us through every single one of them. And today feels just like a celebration of his goodness together. So that one thing that just keeps coming to mind is the enduring faithfulness of God to his church. Another thing that comes to mind is the counterintuitive ways that God works. And for those of you who are sick of vocabulary words, counterintuitive means upside down and backwards, right? So what we mean by that is God doesn't work the way we think he should work. He works upside down and backwards. And so that means for those of us who are planners, if you have a dream and a vision for something you want to do, work real hard for the next week, spend 40, 50 hours researching, prepping, planning, consulting, come up with a beautiful plan, and throw it out the window. Because what God's going to do is take that, turn it upside down, flip it around back backwards, shake it up, break it, put something else back together, and lead you to a better end than you ever could have dreamed. You see, that's the way God works. And those of us who've been walking with him for a number of years, and I'm, I'm, I'm closing in on 25 years, a quarter century walking with the Lord. Those of us who've been walking with the Lord a long time, we've seen that the best things he does are not according to our plans. But the best things he does is when he takes our plan and blows it up and puts something more beautiful in place for us. And we should be thankful for that. Because we can't conceive of the best things for our lives. Our vision is so twisted and tainted by selfishness, by our own comfort, by our own sinfulness. We would never plan the best things for us. We would plan lesser things. But thanks be to God, he, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or imagine. He, he works in a counterintuitive way. And maybe some of you are just slow on the uptake like me. Maybe you need to learn these lessons over and over again. But here's how this works in the scriptures. God's purposes and his will prevail. He accomplishes all that he sets out to do. He doesn't fail at anything he does. Regardless of how backwards it might feel to us. And a quick scan of the heroes of the Bible would tell you just that. He chooses Abraham as the father of Israel. 
But in his old age, Abraham had no children. How is that going to work? He chooses Jacob over Esau. Not the firstborn, not the, not the rightful heir. He chooses Jacob instead. He chooses Gideon, hiding in the winepress to lead his army. And when he does lead the army to triumph, he doesn't choose ten thousands of people. He chooses 300 of these men. He chooses David to be king, even though he was young and last in line. He chooses Israel to be his nation, even though they're small and on the world stage should be relatively insignificant. He chooses Saul, the great persecutor of the church, to become the greatest church planter and theologian that the world has ever known. He tells us that riches are found in sacrifice, that life comes only through death. That exaltation is found in humility and that greatness shows itself first in service. And that we who have found him, we hold this treasure of the gospel in jars of clay, in earthen vessels, in broken and busted bodies, so that the all-surpassing power of God would be on display, not through our great strength and ability, but in our weakness and in our frailties. And what we've seen over the last three months is that God's work through quarantine is not clear, clearly not the way that we would have designed it, but it was no less wonderful. He's still working. Even when we can't gather in our buildings, he's still working. And as we emerge from quarantine, we're forced again to see what our enemy intended for evil, God is using for good. Our church is strong, and I'm, I'm good friends with the local pastors in our region. The church in the capital district is strengthening through quarantine. It is not retreating, but advancing. God has forced the church to find creative ways to be the hands and feet of Jesus in their communities, to speak for those who have no voice, to stand for the oppressed, to demand justice. The church is mobilized, actually, in better ways than it was 14 weeks ago. And what the enemy intended for evil, he intended to silence the witness of the church, to snuff out the light of the gospel. God has instead used for good and pushed us into the community. Even today, we're gathering on the, on, in a field. The gathering itself is a display of the gospel for people who are driving by in ways that it wouldn't have been before. This quarantine has acted like a pressure cooker it squeezed the bad stuff to the surface for sure, but it's also squeezed the good. And evil is always triumphed over by good. Not how we would have planned it, but I wouldn't have changed it for the world. God works in counterintuitive ways, upside down and backwards. A third thing that I think we can notice this morning is that the church body is fitly joined together. That each member with a part to play. And the Lord knew this particular season before the foundations of the world. None of this was a surprise to him. And he already had his people in place to carry the load of work that was necessary to make sure that we were able to continue to minister. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, here's what Paul says about the gifts of the body. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. He goes on to say that, For, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members 
of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And he goes on to say, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. To be in a position of spiritual leadership at our church allows me and our fellow elders and other, other colleagues and staff members to be able to see the wisdom of God in this as it plays out. And maybe some of you don't get to see the, the inner workings like, like our staff and our elders do. But God has fitly joined this team together. And I want to say I am especially proud of our staff this morning. Our church staff is built for programs. Our church staff is built for physical gatherings of the church. And in a moment, they had to radically reorient their jobs. They, we came in and we scrapped everything and we built something brand new to try to figure out how to make this work. And our team, if I do say so myself, has done an exceptional job at maintaining the unity of the church and serving the church. And I just want to say to our staff, thank you so much for your hard work this morning. These last 14 weeks, some of you, some of you went home and your workload decreased. For whatever reason, the church couldn't gather, we couldn't assemble, and the staff's work increased. And they have done a fabulous job keeping us together. I'm so proud of them. And I'm especially proud of our church family today. To see the way that you rolled up your sleeves and went to work is inspiring. You served our community. You gave freely and sacrificially to the Lord. You cared for the needs of your friends. You checked in on loved ones. You wrote notes and you made phone calls and you did socially distanced uh, visits and you had happy birthday parades and you donned your masks and you bought groceries. You are the hands and feet of Jesus and you ministered well to one another. Part of what I... Part of what I think is making this, this reassembly so special is to know that the strengthening of the body has been happening as the members of the body have cared for one another. And that's exactly what Paul says would happen. That when each, each part of the body in Ephesians, when each part is playing their part, the body is itself built up together in love. So thank you, church family, for seeing a quarantine not as a punishment, but as an opportunity to advance the mission of God. You guys make me proud to be a pastor here at this church. When it appeared that the church was shut down, God actually sent it out and mobilized it. And what a gift to be part of this, huh? I said early on, this is going to be a wild ride. It's a little wilder than I anticipated. I'm, I'm feeling a little nauseous from time to time. But, like, I'm ready to get off, actually. If we could stop the ride, I'm ready to take a... I'm ready to get a, like an ice cream bar and just sit down on a bench somewhere. But it, it has been a little wilder than I anticipated. But God has been so good in all of it. And he fitly joined this church together to care for the needs of this body and this community in this time. And one of the things that I had to, be, I had to wrestle with early on was that this wasn't a surprise to God. And we don't lack any of the resources necessary to do the work God is calling us to do. 
He has already provided for us in this body all the resources that we need to reach this community with this precious gospel. And I'm proud of you guys for the way that you took up the call to action and didn't hide in a bunker, but mobilized into the community. And a fourth thing I think we can see this morning is just the beauty and the glory and the mystery of the church gathered. Now we all know the church isn't a building, right? We, we realize the church is the people. The building is just the place we gather to assemble together. But, but there is something so wonderful and precious about being with God's people, isn't there? It gives us an opportunity to encourage one another. As we greet one another and we share stories of God's faithfulness, as we hear about how he's provided, how, how many of us still have gainful employment even in a shutdown, as he's provided even those of us who lost our jobs quality unemployment benefits, as he has sustained our families through great trial. And it's good just to get together and see people's smiling faces and know that God is still giving them joy. Because sometimes it feels as though our joy is gone. So we have the opportunity to encourage each other. We have the opportunity to pray for one another when we gather together. And we believe that the effectual fervent prayers of righteous men avail much. That when our brothers and sisters are entangled in sin or entangled in sickness or overwhelmed and exhausted by the things of this world battling against them, we can labor for them in prayer together. It gives us an opportunity to sing together. I can't tell you, I, I think the thing I missed most is the sound of your voices singing together. I love music, you know this. My mom was the church pianist at, at my home church growing up. Music is a part of my life. I miss your voices singing the praises of God together. And when we lift up our voices together, it is a foretaste of heaven. It is a reminder of what it's going to be like when gathered around the throne, people from every tribe, tongue, race, and nation in the earth are united in one spirit, in one Lord, one faith, one baptism, praising one Savior. And the songs of the saints as they gather together is a foretaste to us of heaven. And a reminder that this world is not the end for us. That there's so much more and so much better. This, the church gathering, is like a big old family reunion. Which is funny because we're not all of the same. Well, some of us are. If you're part of the Wallace clan, there's like 180 of you. But if you're not part of the Wallace family, the rest of us aren't all related. Right? We come from different places different backgrounds. We've got different ethnicities, different geographies. We come from different places in walks in life. We different jobs, different economic groups, different educational groups. And yet we are one family because the things that divide us in the eyes of this world don't divide us in the eyes of God. And the one thing that is most important, faith in Jesus does unite us in God. And so what we have seen with the splintering and the division of our nation, especially over these last few weeks, is actually overshadowed by the beauty of the gospel. And when the church gathers together, we're reminded that every tribe, tongue, and nation has a seat before the throne of the Lamb. Right? And we are reminded that the unity we have in Christ is stronger than anything this world has to offer. And we are bound together as one family. Now, in every family, you got that crazy uncle, right? You know what I'm talking about. You got that wild kid that doesn't listen to your sister, right? You, you got, we, we all have those people too, and we deal with them, and we smile and laugh and pat them on the back. 
But you forego minor annoyances. You bear with one another. You forgive quickly. You, you submit your preferences for the good of the family. You're willing to lay down your desires and sometimes even your life for your family. And the church is, a, is one big, beautiful family. Dysfunctional as it comes, for sure. But one big, beautiful family in the grace of Jesus. And this gathering is a vivid reminder to us of the power of the gospel. That that family feel, that connection we have, is only possible through the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Our broken and our busted lives have been turned upside down by the power of the gospel. And we have been welcomed into a new family. The gathering of the church is a reminder that we're not alone. And it has felt like we've been alone. We've been hidden in our houses. I'm not, it's not, I'm not alone in my house. There's way too many people in my house. I have, I have a full slew of people. I think the governor would have shut my house down. There's too many people there. right? I have enough people in my house. But some of you felt alone and isolated. This is a reminder that we're not alone. That God's, God's people are, are not being shriveled up and dying. No, no, no. God's people are stronger than ever. We are not alone. The gathering is a reminder of God's faithfulness over our lives. As we see one another, we remember the stories. As we listen to new ones, and we rejoice in his mercy and his goodness. Another reminder that the love of Christ is in this place. When I, uh, when I turned onto Lower Newtown Road this morning, I almost had a moment in my car. I just couldn't wait to see your faces. I couldn't wait to be with you, even at a distance. I couldn't wait to be part of a group of people, to be physically present with a group of people who love each other so well. The love of God flows through you to love your neighbors and your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And the love of God is in this place. And you can see it in the way you interact. You can see it in the way you greet one another. You can see it in the way you, you on Sunday morning on the live stream, the way you're, you're chiming in and saying hi to each other. It is a testimony to the relationships that God is building here in this place. And that's not human. That's not earthly. That doesn't exist in other institutions. That's a special thing that God provides in the church of Jesus. The love of Christ is here. All right, so what? What does all that mean? What does all that mean? Well, here, here's what I think it means for us today. Predictably, three things. One, this is a day to rejoice and to celebrate the goodness of God. Wherever you end up today, wherever you go grab lunch and eat outside, where, whoever you're with today, don't lose sight of the fact that this is a good day to celebrate God's faithfulness in our lives because we were able to gather again and to be with God's people. This is a day, secondly, to commit ourselves to not forgetting the good gifts of God. We are a forgetful people. We, I mean, regardless of, of what God has done, one bump in the road, one, one uh, unforeseen twist, one negative circumstance, and all of a sudden we're wondering where he is in all of it. Oh God, I have to wear a mask. Where are you in my suffering? Really? Let's remember the goodness of God. He has given us great gifts. Let's commit ourselves to recounting what is good and true and pure and noble and excellent and praiseworthy and of good report. Let's not fall into the trap of negativity. Remind yourself of the goodness of God in your life. Commit yourself to counting your blessings and naming them one by one. 
Spend some time as a family today talking about the blessings of God in quarantine. Not all the negative stuff, because please, we all know we can do that. Find the good stuff. Commit yourselves to remembering the good gifts. And let the gathering of the church be first on the list this morning. What a gift. And thirdly today, this is a day to look forward with hope. Because even though the world is uncertain and unstable, the God we serve is steadfast and immovable. I read this morning that he rules and reigns over the affairs of heaven and earth. He's seated on a throne. He is clothed in majesty. Strength is, he's girded his loins with a belt of strength. He doesn't move. The events of the world don't shake him. And we need to hear that because our world is burning. The events of the world don't shake him. He is steadfast and immovable. And the reality, friends, is that if we are in him through faith, then we ourselves are steadfast and immovable. Tied down with an anchor that keeps our soul, like the old hymn said, steadfast and sure while the billows roll. We can be steadfast and immovable, secure in the Lord, even when the waters roar and foam. Even when the mountains are moved to the heart of the sea, we have a strong tower, a refuge, a place to turn. We have a foundation to stand on and an anchor for our souls. So let's commit ourselves again to being the church. Let's commit ourselves again to following Jesus as Lord and King in a new era. Let's commit ourselves today to holding on to our place as lights in this world. As the hands and feet of Jesus. As ambassadors and messengers of the gospel. As Jesus said, laborers in the field. Seeking the harvest of the souls of men and women. Let's commit ourselves again to doing what he has shown us to do. What he has said is good and what the Lord requires of us. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And my goodness, what happens when the church of Jesus unites with him and his purposes? We can bank on his provision of power and resource and victory. Let's commit ourselves to continuing to be the church in a new normal. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of the gathering of the saints and the sweet fellowship we get to enjoy. Thank you for the joy it brings just to see each other's faces again. To hear the songs of the saints again. To recount your goodness again. Thank you for the beautiful weather you've provided. For the hundreds who've gathered here. For the many more watching online. We pray for your strength, God, to take up our cross, to follow you, to be the church in this season. Lord, we have all had to get real creative at how we organize our lives and ministries lately. God, I pray that you would lead us in these next steps to the greatest harvest our church has ever seen. Strengthen our witness in our community. Strengthen our love for our neighbor. Strengthen our love for one another. And I pray that the bond of, of the unity of the perfect bond of peace would be clear here in this place. Lord, we just rejoice in your goodness, and we just don't want it to end. We thank you for a great day and all that you provided us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those of you joining online via the live stream, thank you for being a part of this service today. 
moving forward, there are a few things we have to keep in mind. Okay, so here's, here is a semi-official announcement for you all. We are targeting, and we have been, the elders have been targeting this date for a long time, targeting the first weekend of July, July 5th, to be back indoors on campus the first weekend in July, July 5th. So that is our intention. That's our plan. We will share with you um, any more details that we're going to have. We, there's predictably a bunch of hoops that our staff is going to have to jump through to get us there, but that's our goal. We think that that'll best serve our people. So we are planning for the first weekend of July, July 5th, to be on campus inside again, and we can't wait. We will make a determination regarding the next two weeks, the 21st and 28th, within the next 24 to 48 hours. We wanted to make sure we could pull this one off and see how it went. We're going to review, and then we'll make a determination on the next couple weeks for you. But circle that date on your calendar, July 5th, back inside in our building. We cannot wait. Again, for those of you watching online via the live stream, thank you for joining us. And at this point, I'm going to turn it back over to Matt and Danielle.